Welcome to the National Championship. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. This is it. This is the final episode of the season. R.J. Bell's Dream Preview College Football Edition. I'm A.J. Hoffman. Joining me as he has all year from here or Europe or wherever he's been, Taylor McCard. Taylor, how do how goes it, man? It's good. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, hoping we can close out this, uh, this national championship with a few, you know, a few winners all in this one game. I, I love the national championship and the Super Bowl for this reason because you can throw out all sorts of stuff and you can have almost all of your bets lose and then have one of the long shots hit and all of a sudden it ends up it ends up being a winner for a game. So I, I love the big games like this. All right. Well, let's look at the the games that happened last week and let's let's think about what we saw what translates cuz i'll be honest I, I i think in the georgia michigan game and we'll just start there i don't think there's really anything that translates i think what georgia did to michigan was about as predictable as 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 the the sun coming out in the morning this was a matchup of a team who's really good at a lot of things going up against a team who's really great at the exact same things. And if if that's the matchup thing, like if there's no stylistic edge, Michigan just didn't have as good of players as Georgia. And the way I described it earlier was if you think about there's an episode of The Simpsons where Homer's looking in the mirror and he sees Homer he sees himself but he's all muscled up and hulked out. That's Georgia Homer Simpson, but the real like dad bod that was that was Michigan. So it was just a better version of them, and it's really difficult to beat a team when they're good at all the same things you are, but just better. So the matchup was perfect for Georgia. I do, I mean I think it's certainly night and day from what Alabama's capable of doing. On on the other matchup, I thought it was interesting that Alabama went so run heavy after what they did to Georgia and granted the strength of Cincinnati's team is in their secondary and Alabama just said you know what we're going to run the ball all day all night and that's what they did the question is is that what they had to do because losing Mechie in in the SEC championship game is something that I think is a big deal I think that changes their offense because they do, they they're down to one real downfield threat, and that that's easier to defend than multiples, obviously. So I don't know if if what they did against Cincinnati was them saying we're going to keep our cards close to the chest because we we don't need to show you anything, or that was them saying this is the kind of football we're going to have to play because if that's the kind of football you play against Georgia, I don't think you win. So I, I, I'm curious what you thought about those two games, the way they went, and what you think we can take away from those into this week's game. Yeah, not not too dissimilar from your thoughts. Saban and Belichick get comparisons all the time for for good reason, and you saw it again with Alabama and the what they did on the ground against Cincinnati. They totally, week in, week out, that comparison to Bill Belichick 
for Alabama and for the New England Patriots, they can reinvent themselves week over week. And, and that's what you saw to me when they go up against a Cincinnati team that it was clear they pointed out the deficiency here is the defensive line in the run game. We can exploit them and we can run right at them. And Cincinnati really not a bad team at all, regardless of conference, really not a bad team on the back end, have some secondary players that are absolutely you know, high round NFL guys. But up front, it was very clear, hey, we're going to be able to run right at Cincinnati. We're going to control the line of scrimmage and we're going to do that all game. And you looked up, I think it was midway through the second quarter. They had well over 100 rushing yards already in the game. So that was a tone that they set and they followed through. And it really felt like the game should have been farther along than it really was. You know, going into halftime, felt like Alabama should have been up a little more than they were. Uh, and that Cincinnati really never had a, a great chance in that game. As impressed as I was with, uh, you know, they, they gave them their best effort. And I, I know that, AJ, you and I feel differently about Cincinnati getting there. But it really was never a contest. So for that game, I agree with you. I don't think there's a ton we can take away because what Alabama showed against Georgia was completely different than what we saw against Cincinnati. And then on the flip side, I think this game for Georgia against Michigan was they got their minds right. You know, they got they got tight again, right? They brought everything back to center and realized, okay, we are not the just unbeatable team. And getting smacked around by Alabama, I think it was clear it got them focused. And the way that Michigan beat Ohio State and won in the Big Ten Championship, I think it made Georgia respect them a little bit more than they otherwise would have if they had, you know, let's say they had beat Alabama and somehow ended up in that game against Michigan. I'm not sure that they had the same level of respect that they did because they had lost and realized we've we've really got to we got to get right right now otherwise we're going to be out of this and they came out and, and they were just a better team from start to finish and looked like the Georgia that we expected against Alabama it's also the matchup that I think everybody expected once you saw the final four announced I think this was the the reaction and the expectation was we're going to get the rematch and it's just a matter of are either one of these games close and they weren't and that's been the story you know not to get too far on my soapbox, but that's been the story and the problem with college football as of late is I think it's got the greatest regular season of any sport in the United States. And I think it's got the worst postseason. and people just don't care. And, and with opt outs and the transfer rule. Now the bowl games by and large were totally meaningless. I mean, what LSU had to put out on the field against Kansas state a couple nights ago was one of the worst things I've ever seen. They shouldn't, that game shouldn't have even been played all the way up through some of the highest bowls. I mean, Kirk Herbstreet got eviscerated for his comments, but he's really talking about those handful of uh, players from Ohio State that he's still close to with the Buckeyes. But the bowl games, for the for the most part, and the Final Four, not really that much drama. There were a handful of games that were pretty good. But hoping that this national championship, it's got all the makings for being a great game. I just hope it's competitive. Yeah, it's funny you said the the best regular season, the worst postseason. If the if you make the postseason better, doesn't it sort of water down what the regular season is? Like the thing about the the thing that makes to me the regular season of college football so great is you can't afford to have bad weeks. Like everybody's got to you've got to be on your. It's hard to be like okay, we can we can let down a little here, which you know it's imp, it's almost impossible to go a full season without letting down, but it's managing like how much can we let down because once you get a loss, you're at the mercy of someone else deciding whether you can get in or not. 
I, I think you're right, but I think college football right now is just dominated kind of by these delusions of grandeur. Like I, I live in Austin and every season it starts out for Texas as is this the year that they win the Big 12 and get into the Final Four? And of course it's not. They don't even make it to a bowl game. But for the first couple of weeks of the season, and this is across the board with every Power 5 program for the most part, or especially the big dogs, it's this delusion that these ga- every game matters and they've got a chance to get to the Final Four and win their conference and win a national championship. And then we get to the end of the road where we are today and it's the same teams. It's still Alabama. It's still Georgia. Clemson will be back. It's still Ohio State, Oregon, right? It's the same teams that you throw around that are in the mix for the most part every season. And I'm all for, I think you've got to have the dominant teams that are really the bad guys. I mean, that's what you build and build and become, you know, the Cinderella story for a while. And then it becomes, you're on the mountaintop and then everybody hates you. And then usually there's a crescendo and they come back on the other side. But Alabama's been there forever. And I think, I don't think, I know if you watch uh, the disinterest that comes this time of year, it's from fans that are like, you know, could do without seeing Alabama win another national championship and an all SEC national championship, which I resonate with and I understand. Yeah. Do you, do you think that Cincinnati getting in and then performing the way they did, do you think that helps or hurts the cause for future teams in their position? You know, I think it would hurt. It would have hurt their position if they were given the spot over a team that you could have very easily pointed to and said that they were more deserving. But the the Pac-12 and the Big 12 were so poor this year that it, I don't think it really would have mattered. And in all honesty, I think what Cincinnati did against Alabama was a better effort than Oklahoma State would have put forward. I don't think Oklahoma State would have scored against Alabama, and that's probably the team that would have gotten in if they hadn't come up two inches short against Baylor. So in a normal year, I think it would have hurt. But for this year, especially if Alabama goes on and wins, I think it's just, well, who else were you going to put in? There wasn't really anybody else that you put in the four spot and say, that's really a deserving team. The most deserving team would have been Ohio State, but they had two losses and there was no way they were going to get put in. Yeah. Ohio State was the best team that got left out. I, I don't know. Right. Most deserving, I guess, is a, a different conversation. But yeah, I, I don't know. You say they would they did better than they would have against Oklahoma State or, or but Cincinnati did not perform at all. Like they had let there was one team on Alabama's schedule this year that had more yards than Cincinnati put up. Alabama played zero teams this year that scored less points than Cincinnati did, at least uh, uh, power five teams. So they just, they dominated that. They made them look like a lesser product. That's why I worry. I, I don't worry. Cause I don't care. Like I, I was, I don't think if you play the the 90th best schedule, you should be in the championship anyway. But I think that if you're a Cincinnati fan or a, a Houston fan or any sort of G five fan, it was worrisome that they performed so poorly in that, in that big chance that everyone's been waiting for a G five team to get. Yeah. Last thing I'll say on this and we can get into the, our picks for the game, but I was just surprised and a little let down by Cincinnati's play calling because they played and called that game. Like they were an equal to Alabama. Like they came in with this style, especially on offense. That was like, this was their equal. And this is a team. No, you've got to throw the kitchen sink at a team like Alabama way too conservative way too conservative on when they would get ahead of the sticks on, on second, primarily second down. If they got a second and short or middle of the field, third and short, where you're probably going to go for it, 
not nearly enough shot plays, not nearly enough. And I normally hate these, but a lot of the gadget plays think wrinkles that you've got to try these to beat in Alabama, because if you think you're going to line up and run base offense with a couple wrinkled downfield pass plays out of it, you're not, you're not going to beat them. And that's basically what they did. All right. Let's take a look at the national championship game and Georgia, a three point favorite. There's some two and a half juiced out there. But a three-point favorite for the most part. We're going to look at a total of 52 and a half for the purpose of this podcast. Um, what do you what do you see being different, if anything? Well, first of all, before we ask that, do you think this line is right? Because we, we six in the first game, three now. Obviously, you don't want to make a, too much of an adjustment based on one data point. But does this line feel like a fair line to you? I think it is a perfect line to get traction because if this was the other way, if this if this was a uh, push all the way to you know Georgia being a favorite or excuse me Alabama being a favorite by a point or two, I think money would have poured in for Georgia that you're not going to be able to beat them twice. But what this has done it has created well, you think you know look at what Alabama just did to them. I mean they beat them by two scores and now you think Georgia's going to win this game. Uh, I think it's some of the reactions that it's created have been fantastic. And I, I see an argument for both sides. However, I, I ate the cheese for most of the year on Georgia. And what I think we learned against Bryce Young and Alabama was all season and including their win against Michigan, they didn't play any good quarterbacks. They didn't play quarterbacks that could test them downfield. And that's why they gave up in the regular season a little less than seven points a game because there was nobody that they could either seven man protect or they could get the ball out of their hands under pressure and deliver it accurately and burn them. And that's what happened. I don't think you're going to get some of the just wide open Scott free shot plays that you saw in the sec championship, or at least not, not as many, but I do like Alabama to win this game. And not only do I like them, you know, I love them at plus three, but I think they win this outright. I like them on the money line. And it's for, it's primarily, it really is just a function of Bryce Young is the best quarterback they will play by a mile all season. And what he did to them in the SEC championship, I think a lot of those things can be replicated because a lot of it wasn't just good designs. It was he busted them on blitzes when they got home but he found the right man on time and was accurate. And again, I think those are things that can be replicated. Yeah. So Alabama, for anybody who doesn't know, they're one in four against the spread in these national championship games. Last year was the first time that they ever covered in one of these games. I agree with you to an extent that, I mean, well, I agree with you completely that Bryce Young's the best quarterback they saw this year. And But Bryce Young's the best quarterback anyone will see this year. Bryce Young was the best quarterback that A&M saw. Uh, Bryce Young was the best quarterback that that Florida saw, that LSU saw, teams that, that Auburn saw, that almost beat these guys. Uh, I think that we're forgetting that Georgia was consistent all year. They consistently dominated teams. And Alabama was the opposite of consistent this year. There were times when you said, oh, now they look good. But there were a lot of times where we came, We, I mean, hell, we came on this pod and said, what the hell was that from Alabama? I mean, it, it, there's this has been a very uneven season. And if you go back and look historically at Alabama seasons, seasons where they won national championships, 
you don't see a lot of these games where they're like, you know, one point games, two point games against bad teams. Uh, uh, there might be one. There's never been like three or four in a season where one play goes the other way and Alabama's not even in the playoff. So I, I do think that they, this is a big, big reaction to one football game. And listen, it, I mean, it was an important football game, but I guess really the, the biggest question to me in this game is, is Alabama going to jump out to a 10 nothing lead again? Because if Georgia play, can play in a neutral game script, I think Georgia's just better than them. Like in almost, almost every, and I would say almost every position but quarterback, they're better. So I, I think it's, I think this is a really, it's, it's a matchup that Georgia can win. I, I think a lot of the question is, how much does familiarity go into this? How much should Georgia? Does Georgia need to change from their game plan perspective? How much do they, or how much do they just need to execute the game plan that they had better? And how much of this is just a, a mind bleep of Kirby Smart and of Georgia that we we can't beat Alabama? They they're our daddy. We can't do it. Um, I that's those are the questions to me that need to be answered. I I think that there's some things that Georgia can do differently. Georgia got a lot of pressure in that game in the second half. They never got to him. They blitzed 20 times in that game and got no sacks. You've got to find a way to create pressure, I think, without blitzing. If you're if you're Georgia, I think that's going to be key for them. Jordan Davis was basically a non-factor in that game, and he's the, he's the best player on Georgia. He's the, I mean, he is a monster. Also, he's the reason why we're talking about Georgia's defense as historically great. And by the way, that the, one of the numbers that I found that was crazy, the 41 points that Georgia gave up, that was over 30% of what they allowed this season. Yeah, they gave up 41 points and still <laughs> ended up averaging under 10 points a game. I think they were 7.2, right? Insane. It's something, something absurd. But it, they've got to find a way to get pressure without blitzing. And there are some people – I don't know how much I believe this. There are some people that say Jordan Davis was recovering from COVID, or like he wasn't 100% in that game. I don't know if that's the case or not. Obviously, I'm not a, a Georgia insider. Uh, but if he – like it would make – it would kind of explain some things away, wouldn't it? Yeah, the only piece that I would add in favor of Georgia, and it was a comment that Kirby Smart made – I believe last week, right after the Michigan game. And of course it becomes bulletin board material. And it's, it's for a casual fan. You read it as Kirby smarts. Uh, but what he said is Georgia in their secondary specifically had MAs where Alabama's got players running scot free for these shot plays. And he's saying, we've got everything exactly how we want it. And we've got one guy that screws it up and now that you've got a shot play and they're 30, 40 yards downfield. Yeah, he was blaming a lot of stuff on busted coverage. He was blaming a lot on things that they did. So if he's right, I mean, it's coach speak, but if he's right on, you know, two-thirds of the plays that he's talking about and they get those corrected, then it's a different story because if you if you really maybe, and there's a case to be made, that they that secondary – I mean, they were playing center field – while their pitcher's throwing a no-hitter, right? Like, they're not having to do anything. There's a case to be made that this was the first time they were challenged, and they got caught sleepwalking. 
Yeah. And now you've got them focused and that's not going to happen again. But the reason that I still like Alabama on this side is the best player on the field and, and a quarterback that will be a top five, potentially a top pick in the NFL draft when it's his time in Bryce Young has the ability to deliver the ball under pressure, which even if, if Georgia does get home with just bringing that fifth defender, I still think they're going to get enough of their play of those shot plays downfield. And that's what worries me for Georgia in this game. And so my, my pick with regards to the spread is give me Alabama money line. Let's look at the, let's, let's look at some other things that Alabama did right. And let's see if they're repeatable. Pre-snap motion was huge for Alabama in this game. And it's something that Georgia hasn't seen a lot of this year because with Georgia, mostly you've got to line up and you've got to mash up with them and, and hope for the best. Alabama did a lot of things to confuse him. Did Georgia learn from that? And why is why is pre-snap motion such an important thing against a defense like Georgia? If you're a team that is bringing a lot of pressure, you've got to have great communication with motion on whether or not if you're trying to disguise man, but you're you're showing zone and you're actually going to be playing man. If they bring motion, there's very specific ways that you got to either travel with that guy and now you become a defender in that zone or you let that go and you pass them off and then that man defender switches. There's very specific ways you have to do that. And those were some of the MAs and the busts that Georgia had where it looked like a receiver would come across the field or they would yo-yo and come back and then they get lost. And those were things that really for a, a, a top anything defense, top 10 defense, you just don't see a lot of. But again, I think a lot of it was it didn't matter what sort of motion an offense was doing for most of the season. They were going to get after the quarterback so fast that it just didn't matter. But for Alabama, it did matter because they were able to protect long enough and Bryce Young was able to deliver the ball well enough that he punished them. And those are things that those are legitimate MAs and those are things that you can correct. But the counter for Nick Saban is going to be, well, you're crazy if you think they're going to run the same concepts out of those motions. I would expect a lot of that again pre-snap. And when you're watching the game, pay attention to who's traveling with these defenders. If they're letting them go and now they're running, it's a zone defense. Are they communicating well enough when that receiver's coming across the field? Or if it's man defense and you see somebody travel, do they stay in that man defense? Does it roll to zone? Those were things that Georgia just didn't do very well in the SEC championship. The other thing that Alabama did a lot of in that game was bunch formations, like bunch wide receiver formations, and that was confusing to the Georgia secondary. No Mechie this game, how much of a difference does that make? Like if, if you say, okay, well, we don't have to take them as seriously anymore because of this, like how, how do – like – is that does that take away that that confusion that's created by those bunch formations? Yeah, losing Mechie matters no matter what because when you take a playmaker like that off the field, there's stress. Whether it's he's the intended target or not, there's stress that's created by having a guy that that is that good on the field. But again, like I said about what they did with motion, what they'll do with concepts out of these bunch formations, a lot of what you saw you're not it's not going to be repeated that's what Alabama does it's what Nick Saban does you're going to get wrinkles off of those formations and you're going to get a lot of oh we've seen this on tape and then it's actually something completely different and that again just goes back to good communication on bunch formation is it can be easier if you're running man but then the flip side is if they run any sort of rub concepts and you get lost that's where some of the big plays are opened up because now 
you're chasing a guy that's five, you got five yard separation and it's over, especially a guy like Mechie. Zone can be a little bit easier. That Man, I think is easier coverage to run off of these bunch formations, but you got to be really good in communication on rubs. Zone can be, it's, it totally depends on how deep are you willing to have your safety stay back. Because if you can keep everything in front of them and you're trying to play bend, don't break defense, well, then it's not that big of a deal. You just got to try it. You've got to get home eventually. And that's what they didn't do in the SEC championship. They also let some of these get behind them as well. So <clears throat> motion and these bunch formations, you're going to see both of those things in this game again. And now one of the big factors, I think, this week, the offensive lineman that left the game with injury, the entire right side of the offensive line for Alabama leaves the game, don't return with injury. And this is not a typical Alabama team. They don't have a lot of depth on the offensive line. It, maybe this this is opening up an opportunity because Georgia couldn't get to the quarterback. Maybe that changes things for them going up against either backup offensive linemen, you know, below average Alabama offensive linemen, or guys who are maybe a little bit compromised physically. It, it, could that be a difference maker? If because if Georgia listen, Bryce Young was significantly worse under pressure. They just couldn't they couldn't get there to him. Like it, it, he was, he was way worse when they were harassing him. The problem was they just couldn't bring him down in the backfield. And that led to him running the ball a lot because Alabama's the, the offense did not run the ball. Well, uh, it, nobody runs the ball well against Georgia. Bryce young ran the ball well against Georgia, Bryce, Bryce young. He ran the rest of the running backs, 3.5 yards per carry. So that was, uh, that was some, and a lot of that was, I've got to get the hell out of here carries by Bryce Young. Like, I'm under pressure. I got to go and making something happen. And kudos to him for it. But that's another thing. How how uh, how how easy is that to replicate? You know, and that I think that's another big question for this team. Yeah, I think that's the – without oversimplifying this, it's really the matchup if you're a Georgia fan on what's the path of least resistance on you winning this game. And it's – figuring out ways to win with four up front. I mean, it's the, it's the Tom beat Tom Brady model, right? It's how do you get after it's the reason the, the the giants won two super bowls, get after the quarterback with four and then play coverage on the back end. If you can do that and you can get after Bryce young with just four and sometimes disguising a fifth and you, you bust him, then you'll win. But like you said, they didn't do enough of it. And they, he wasn't as effective when he was under pressure, but he was still effective enough that's your matchup. It's it's Georgia's defensive line winning more of those one-on-ones against Alabama and doing it in a hurry because Al- Bryce Young gets the ball out of his hands pretty quick. Let's look at Georgia when they've got the football. And Stetson Bennett actually looked pretty good on standard downs, on first downs. When, they, when it was a known passing situation, it got ugly. Now, the good news is Georgia sees third and long less than any team in the country but it was certainly a problem in the SEC championship game, mostly because it was difficult for Georgia to run the ball. Alabama's a good run defense. It's Everybody talked about Georgia's run defense coming in, but Alabama's also good at stopping the run. And the, the question is, and I, I actually thought they would maybe make a change. I thought we would see sort of a, a JT Daniels look uh, against Michigan so they could see, well, if, is this guy going to give us a better shot to beat Alabama? Obviously, Stetson Bennett played really well in that game, but he was bad in the SEC championship game. He was bad in last season's matchup, and 
you know, Bryce Young, how I was talking about, he was bad under pressure. Stetson Bennett was, he was horrible under pressure. He's got to make better decisions with the ball under pressure. The pick six comes when he's under pressure. The red zone interception comes in under pressure. Twice as many turnover worthy plays when he's under pressure as he does in a clean pocket. So it's very important for him to stay clean. And a lot of that is, I think Georgia's got to run the ball better. You've you've got to run the ball better than you did in that first game. One out of three runs stuffed in in that first matchup, and the play action stuff it doesn't work if it's third and eight, third and nine, and that's what Georgia Georgia's all year long play action dominant. It doesn't work in those situations. And the other thing that won't work is what what they did against Michigan when they just said, okay, we're going to throw a hundred screen passes. And that was great. They completed, I, I, I don't know, if, I think it was close to 100%, either 90, 95 or 100% of the screen passes they threw. That's not going to work against a Bama defense that's got so much speed at linebacker. So the question is, did Stetson Bennett learn from that game, and is he capable of being better than what he was in that game? I think he can be better than what he was in that game, but I think we all got to, if you have – too high of expectations of Stetson Bennett. You got to temper those right now because Georgia is the side that needs complimentary football. Alabama and Bryce Young, with a stellar effort on offense, can carry Alabama. And they've got to, you know, they don't need to be carried on defense, but they have a strong enough offense that they can get you there virtually on their own. Georgia, on the other hand, cannot. They cannot have this turn into a shootout. If if they give up forty one again, they lose. So. Georgia, to me, is the side that you've got to have some complimentary football where they create some turnovers of their own. They create some short fields. They get some momentum on their side. And you said this, and it's spot on for Georgia's offense. Stay ahead of the sticks always. Because if you get in third and five plus, you're basically off the field for the most part. For Alabama, I would also expect more of obviously trying you know, pressure in all, all the variations that they normally bring but also containing Stetson Bennett, which people don't give him enough credit for. He's really a pretty phenomenal athlete and is much faster than people give him credit for. Watch Alabama, even when they're not getting home, they're going to make sure we're going to make this dude beat us throwing the football because we're not going to let him take off on a second medium and get the first down or get close to the first down and stay ahead of the sticks. It's going to be you're either getting rid of the ball and it's going to be completed or incomplete or we're going to tackle you behind the line of scrimmage. We're not letting you take off and bust us for those some of the short runs that he'll have where it, it keeps them ahead of the sticks. But I'll go back to it again. Georgia will have to lean on getting some momentum and getting some some takeaways and short fields on defense if they want to win this game. Yeah, here's the other thing. Alabama, much like Georgia, the weakness of their defense is in the secondary. And the question is, can Stetson Bennett take advantage of it? And that's, you know, that's where I thought maybe we'd see some JT Daniels because obviously he's he's going to be a much better – he'll give you a much better chance of hitting big shots down the field and where Alabama is thin at this point in the season. They're, they're running out of bodies. Um, so I, I'm curious to see what the, how different the game plan looks. Will they let Stetson Bennett take some shots down the field? Uh, will the game plan allow for that? Will they have success running the ball that they didn't? Those are the big questions, I think, for this Georgia offense. And I I do think, you know, you said this, that Georgia was embarrassed. Georgia, that hadn't happened to them before this season, and they, they, were, taken up, they were taken by surprise. 
I, I don't think that that happens again. Um, I, I do. I, I guess I haven't said I like Georgia minus three here. I, I think that Georgia is the better team. I think they've been the better team all season. And I think the one data point is blinding us to the fact that this team and I, I may have egg on my face because this may just be a matchup thing. And it may just be that Alabama's got the, the recipe that will always beat Georgia. And that's entirely possible. But I feel like this Georgia team, at least especially what they're putting out there on Monday, is better player for player than the Alabama team. And uh, I do worry that we get another stinker from Stetson Bennett uh, because, like you said, this is not a – that's the thing about you know JT Daniels and being – like you look at him and you say, oh, this guy's going to be good at football. Like Stetson Bennett, you look at him and you go, this is the guy I'm backing. This is the guy I think is going to beat Alabama. I mean, it's almost like a Rudy type story, and it, and honestly, it will like it will be a, a a huge story if Stetson Bennett, a walk on who was about to transfer out of the program this season, goes on to win a national championship against Alabama. It'll it'll be one of those stories that you know that it's memorable, but it's also scary because, like I said, in that first game, you saw him make some just bozo plays that he cannot afford to do. You're right. You're right that Georgia. It, I, I, I you're right, but I. I I'll tweak what you said a little bit. You said Georgia is the one that needs to make something happen, create a turnover or something. I, I don't know if that's true. I know that Georgia cannot afford to turn the ball over. I think if if it's if there's a uh, a zero zero turnover game, or if if it's one to one, if the, the net total is is zero, I like Georgia a lot. If Georgia gives the ball away to Alabama, I think they're in trouble. Yeah, I I think we're on the same page with most of this. But to put a cherry on top of this, for me, it really comes down to I think Bryce Young is a good enough player. What he displayed in the SEC championship, I think you'll see more of it. They got past their the lulls at the end of the regular season against Arkansas, against Auburn. I was my my fear against Georgia in the SEC championship was that that was a flash in the pan. But the way that they handled Cincinnati, I don't think that it was. I may be the one that has egg on my face, but to me, I think Alabama wins this. And uh, the uh, the last, last thing I'll say, when you talked about matchup, I do think that there is something to Nick Saban having Kirby Smart's number, and we'll we'll see how it shakes out. I, if Georgia gets the lead like they did in that first game, I think that they they keep it. I, I, I that's it's almost mind boggling to me that Georgia jumped out ten nothing. And wasn't they weren't able to control the game? That's the part that's like really because that that's the part that you would like if you, if I had told you before the game started, George is going to get up to a ten nothing lead early in the game. I guess early second quarter they're going to they scored that touchdown. You would you have felt good about Alabama's chances of winning, much less blowing them out? Probably not. Yeah, but you cannot. I mean, you you gave up a twenty four point quarter. That's that's crazy. They gave Georgia giving up twenty four points in a game would have been crazy to me, much less in one quarter. So I, I'm going to go out and say I, I think the under. I, this is not going to be another sixty five point game. I, I think that this game plays in the forties probably. Uh, so the, the under is a way that I will be looking on this one under fifty two and a half. I, I could see this being in in the high forties. Do you, you have any lean or, or a take on the the total? I really don't. I know we talked about this a little bit off air. Um, 
my gut would tell me what similar to what you just said. I don't see this being a shootout again because I don't see Georgia being caught on their heels as much on defense. But so often in the playoffs and in the national championship, you see a lot of points. And I think, you know, the reason why is you tend to have some of the best offensive players and some of the best quarterbacks on display at the end of the season. And they score a lot of points. And I, that's what worries me about this one. I don't have a great lean on the, on the point total. Um, I, I would just defer to what you said and ride with that. All right. Let's take a look at some of the props, see if there's any value to be had on these. And, you know, some, some of these are, are good numbers. You know, Bryce Young, 314 and a half passing yards. And in the first game, obviously went well over that. But again, if you believe that this game is going to be a, a lower scoring game, you, you probably don't expect that to happen again. Stetson Bennett threw for 340. For me, because I think Georgia wins this game, I don't want Stetson Bennett to throw for 340 yards. If he's chucking it that much, then something went wrong for Georgia. Uh, are, are there any props out there that you see that you say, okay, this is something I could I could get behind? Yeah, I've got a, a couple here. Um, I'm going my, my first one if you watched the semifinal game Alabama gets the ball straight down the field and tend to be an offense that starts pretty quick their scripted first drive of the game is usually pretty effective I think you get an Alabama first score of the game but I don't think it's a touchdown I like for the first score of the game Bama field golf on the opening drive at plus 375 okay um What's I, I've got a couple more, but we'll, we'll go back and forth. What, what do you like? Yeah, I, really, I, the only one that I'm married to at this point is Brian Robinson Jr. under rushing yards. It's set at 64 and a half, and Georgia has given up 65 yards to a running back one time this year, and that was in the Florida game. I don't think, and, and I, I mentioned earlier how you know Bryce Young had success running the ball. We have we George. You just it's very difficult to run the ball between the tackles on this Georgia team, and I I get that he is the big name. He's the big you know the 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 star running back for Alabama. That's you know the, you're going to put a number up there that says hey this is the guy who's going to get the most carries for the for the team that you know that wins the championship every year. I just think that's a crazy number because this I think it's disrespectful to this Georgia defense that is, is so dominant. Uh, so under 64 and a half yards is probably more than I like a side or a total in this game. I like that play. I like them to hold him down. Yeah. I like that one. I, I, on the other side, I like James cooks over 42 and a half rushing yards. And it's sort of a, a hedge on whether or not Georgia wins this game, because like you said a second ago, if they do win this game, it means that they, they probably ran the ball pretty effectively. And that means James cook got over 42 and a half yards. So, the only other one that, that I really like, and this is for game MVP, Will Anderson, a lot's been made of him. Uh, you know, the Heisman snub, he's maybe the best player on defense in all of college football, but the fact that he wasn't invited to New York, I think there's some momentum around. If he plays well on defense in this game and they dominate Georgia, it would not be, it'd surprise me if he's your game MVP. I mean, and it wouldn't take all that much if he's got any sort of game clinching sack or an interception late in the game, and he's got an all around good performance. Would not surprise me if if Will Anderson's your MVP, and that's at plus seven hundred. So again, that's a flyer. Put a little bit of coin on that one, and uh, you see what happens. But 
Those are mine. I'll, I'll go back through them again. Bama money line, Bama field goal opening drive, James Cook over 42 and a half rushing yards. And then I like for the game MVP, Will Anderson. Yeah, Will Anderson did have one of the sacks in that game. I, for to me, I think if if you see uh, if you see a defensive player get it, especially if you if it's a defensive player for Georgia, I mean for Alabama, I would probably look at Kool Aid McKinstry because he is the he's easily the best guy in the secondary for that team. And I think if you're going to get a defensive MVP, there's going to have to be a, a turnover involved. So I would I would guess that there would be an interception thrown his way. Uh, so and he's got I, the I, best name in college football. Oh, one hundred percent. So uh, that's the way I would look if I if I were looking at someone as a defensive player. But um, I, I think it's I think it's going to be a quarterback. I think it's going if if Stetson Bennett doesn't screw this thing up, I think it's him. And if things don't go if things go opposite the way I'm expecting, it means that Bryce Young probably had a really big day. So I, I, I know those are kind of chalky, so you're probably not going to get a great payout on those. So it, nothing I'm, I'm probably going to put down on. Um, but I, I do think that, that that's the most likely scenario. Uh, all right. I want to give McKenzie a chance. McKenzie's got to play on this thing. McKenzie, what are your thoughts on the national title game, our producer, all year long? Well, this worked for me in the semifinal. I'm going to keep it rolling. My general thesis is, these games, they're big, big games, they're playoff games. That usually is associated in culture with, you know, tight games. Alex Ferguson called it squeaky bum time when you're on the edge of your chair. But these games aren't really like that. Historically, college football semifinals have averaged, I mean, playoff games have averaged 19-point margins. That's including 15 points for finals. That's including the last three have been decided by three scores or more. So... Why do I say all that? Because I like Alabama, like Taylor. I think uh, there's a reason why you don't want to see third and five if you're Georgia, because chaos will happen on third and six and third and seven. So I like Alabama minus six and a half plus 240 right now at William Hill. Now shop around. I liked minus seven and a half plus 220 at FanDuel, but minus six and a half plus 240 is like 80 cents better at William Hill right now. So I like Alabama to win, and I don't think these games are generally close. Nick Saban is 4-0 straight up, 2-0-1 against the spread against his former associate Kirby Smart. That includes the last two games. Alabama won exactly by the score 41-24. to In one of those games, the last game, they were a six-point dog. The game before that, they were a six-point favorite. Didn't matter, same exact score. And it just shocks me. Look, I don't know little to nothing about college football, but I know this. Nick Saban is the one guy that any sports fan knows their name, knows his name in college football. In 11 of the last 14 years, he's beaten, on average, the Vegas spread. That's crazy. That's including six of the last seven years when everybody knows Alabama is the number one program in the land with a bullet, but he keeps beating expectations. And as a dog, it's very rare, but it's crazy. It's Tom Brady, Belichick-esque. He's been a dog six times in the last 14 years, seven times, I'm sorry, six and one straight up and ATS with a plus 20 ATS margin. I don't very know, know very much about the teams, but I know these trends and I like them. I like Alabama minus six and a half plus 240 right now at William Hill. All right. There's an alternate line for you. I'll tell you what, if, if Georgia gets embarrassed 
for the second time in a row against this Alabama team, ah, that's going to be really painful for that program because it's it's hard to imagine Georgia football being better than they are this year. And if that's not good enough, what do they do? You know what I mean? It, well, it's, what's going to be hilarious is if they lose the lunatics that start calling for Kirby Smart's head. Uh, yeah, that'll happen, it's certainly. Like, right. You're like, that'll certainly <laughs> who are happen. you going to get? I mean, yeah, that's a totally different soapbox. We'll save that one for next fall. <laughs> All right, Taylor, been a great season, man. Appreciate you being here every week for it. Uh, I'm looking forward to next season. And thanks for spending some time and, and going through this national championship game, letting me talk out some of the things that I had on my mind about it. Uh, appreciate you and and great job this season, bud. Yeah, thank you, and, and thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I know we started a little bit, uh, you know, we were a few weeks late into the season this year, but we'll be back and ready to go next year, and I think the first episode next season is going to be once you get some of the uh, season totals and, and sort of a preview episode, so that I imagine that'll come in August. So thank you, everybody that, that has listened and, and supported, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you guys this fall. All right. Thanks, Mackenzie. Thanks, Brad. Thanks to the audience. We will talk to you guys down the road. The national championship on the line right here.